this is Greener Grass, a podcast. We are your hosts, Carrie Wheat and Kelly McVeigh, now part of the Digitant family of podcasts. How's it going, guys? Hope you're having a wonderful week. And uh, before we get started, if you go to the show notes, there is a link to opt into our newsletter, get more details about our guests, and if we have any breaking news. And today we have Leanne Ruff. Now, this story is incredible. Um, Kelly had this interview with her and I was just editing and doing my regular editing work. And I was so enthralled that I kind of forgot to edit. And I was just listening because I was on the edge of my seat. Um, I will let her tell you the story, but you know, she, she was abandoned when she was a baby. And um, it's a story of, of rising up and success and, just completely enthralling. So I hope you guys enjoyed this interview. Let's get started. And today we have a special person. I got the opportunity to work with her for, I would say a little over a year, couple years, maybe a couple. Yeah. But it's been a while and we haven't connected um, for a while. And, you know, as Carrie and I build out who we bring to all of you, I'm always about people that our motivators in a sense who are super inspirational and always someone that has a story that I feel like someone out there can relate to in a specific way. And Leanne has always been really opened and shared a little bit about her life and she's doing big things right now. And so I was like, Oh my gosh, I'd love to have you on. And we haven't connected for a few years, but I was excited to reconnect with you um, and to just bring you today to share a little bit more about you, your life um, the big pivots that happen in life and, and what you're doing today. So welcome to Greener Grass. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate the invite. And, you know, I love the opportunity to share my story and impact lives that, that of those folks who listen to it and make note of it and understand um, the impact of their own life. So, uh, yeah, I'm happy to be here. Well, I'm so glad that you, that you said you could do it and, um, that we're on this morning. It's a great way for me to start my day. So Leanne, I know, and you know, we talked for a minute before you join, like, I'd love for you to tell, um, a little bit about yourself and why, why don't you start at the end in the sense where you're, where you're at today, where you live. Um, and then we'll start, go back to the very beginning and, and really how your story starts and a really big part of who you are. I think, you know, a piece of who you are that leads you in all aspects of your life. Well, I, I love that approach, Kelly, yeah. actually. Um, so, so yeah, I live in the Adirondack Mountains of New York on a beautiful 52-acre horse farm with my husband, John, of 35 years. Uh, we've been together for, for 37, I think, now. Uh, That's amazing. Yeah, yeah, amazing. Considering, and I'm not saying it's all been rainbows and butterflies, yeah. but you're know, um, we very young when we got married. But uh, yeah, so we live here in the gorgeous Adirondacks and um, we have four amazing humans that we raised and uh, they I'm, I'm 55 years old. So I you have, don't look 55. Are... I want everyone. Oh, I'll you. post a picture of you, but you you've got it going on for sure. Thank you. <clears throat> yeah, I'm a mom of four um, grown adults and the grandmother of six right now. Oh, God. But I have, um, so my my oldest son is, uh, he lives in outside of Rochester, New York with four children, 
ages nine, seven, four, and two. And my older daughter lives, she just recently moved back here. So she's about 30 minutes away. And she and her husband have a five-year-old and a three-year-old. And then I have a son who works in uh, Manhattan and is living with his uh, girlfriend in Brooklyn. And then my youngest, the baby, uh, will be 25, and she lives in Los Angeles. And you probably met her at some point, Kelly. I did meet her. I did meet her. She's the singer singer of a bunch, right? And she's a performing artist. Um, and she's got a great story. That's a, that's probably for another podcast. I, I, I know maybe I should have her on. I love that idea. We'll add that to the list. Okay. I love so, this. I love that your kids are like grown and doing all different things. I mean, that shows the mother you are for sure. They are, they were all, they're all very highly successful. Um, and I'll tell you, I'm going to share with you their success, not as a point to brag, but because when you hear my story, it'll give you more impact to, to how we got here. But my oldest son is an engineer who went to Duke and, um, has a, has a, just a great career and a great life with, with he and his wife, share a wonderful family. My oldest daughter, um, she has two degrees from Harvard. She got her undergraduate there and then her master's in education policy. My third, my son has, he went to um, Wake Forest university and he works in healthcare tech companies and does extremely well. And then my, my baby went to, um, Berkeley college of music in Boston as a vocal performer but she came out with a degree in music business and has an amazing job working for live nation in los angeles so they all um you know just broke out and just have done exceptionally well and i think the reason why i know the reason why is that um they watched me do the same thing with my life they watched me build a career um and set goals and be focused and treat people well. And cause that's really the, the thing that I'm most proud of. I, John and I are most proud of them is, is the fact that they are so kind yeah. and they're really good people, right? They're really good people. And it's not the college degrees. It's not the success. It's the happy life that they have built for themselves. Okay. This is extraordinary. Just, I think yeah. in general, I mean, so education is super important. Mm-hmm. you and the fact that I think, you know, we'll get there eventually, but like goal setting focus, like, I think this is part of who you are as a person and what you do in life. And I think it even, it even spilled into how you raise your kids. Yeah. And here's the thing. I don't have a college degree. I didn't finish college. I got pregnant. My husband and I got married and we started our family. My husband's older than I am. He was a senior in college when I was a freshman. Yeah. And I left after my sophomore year. I went back to school, but never finished because we were building our family. And I started a career in direct sales. And it became it became um a career that I was like, well, why would I go back now? Like I have a great career. Right. right? So the fact that our children went on to go and do so much, it, it's not because of that I did that. It's because I was focused on goals, right? right? So, and really encourage them to reach higher than they ever thought they could, right? Amazing. So 
if you you're you're never going to get into a dream school if you don't apply yes and this was a this was just always my philosophy and I brought John along with me my husband yeah along with like I'm really big on having a vision yes you know and and casting that vision wide and sharing that vision with other people because when you do that people they want to help you yes right they they you attract people that want to help you and so I I feel like that's what uh, my kids have done with their lives as well okay well I'm already inspired vision um saying it out loud people do want to help okay so let's reverse and go back to the very beginning um so I love and and I'll also share where you live is beautiful amazing like when you post a picture on Instagram I'll tag her Instagram um friends so you can see because where she lives is just gorgeous and beautiful so I like I love this life that you have built um it's incredible what your kids is doing is incredible but let's go back to the very beginning and how you your life started because I know that's such a big piece of your story and the where you've ended is incredible from how your life started well this is this is where I think it's the most important for your listeners to understand that you know I am the story you hear on the news of the baby that gets abandoned Um, I was, um, a a baby that was dropped off and, um, my birth mother was an intelligent woman. She was 26 years old. And, um, from what I have been able to ascertain, she, um, got pregnant by a married man and she was in denial and she never told her family that she was pregnant. She was living on her own. So she could keep it hidden from everyone, never saw a doctor um, because she was hoping that she would miscarry. Um, And uh, so she just did not, never wanted me to survive at all. So she gave birth to me at home alone in her apartment. And I was premature, less than five pounds. And she kept me for three days and, you know, I didn't die. I survived for three days with a rubber band around my umbilical cord. Oh my gosh, Leanne. So she, she, at least she had the presence of mind to bring me to the hospital and she brought me there and she dropped me off and said, I don't want her. I don't want this. I don't, I can't do this. And so I, was in the hospital for a few weeks because I was not healthy. Obviously I was premature and and not healthy. And um, so I was in the hospital and then I was placed in um, the foster care system in the state of Massachusetts. I was in the foster care system for a few months until I was placed with my amazing parents. Um, And I was neglected in foster care because my mother was uh, an RN, and when she got me home the first day, she saw sores all over my body because I hadn't been cleaned. I have not been washed properly, and you know how babies have little fat rolls in their legs and all that? She's like, it was just red, raw, sore, and all of the little fat, chubby rolls around my body because I had never been washed properly. Mm-hmm. So she ended up reporting the foster care parents to the state for neglect 
Um, that's how bad it was. And so when my parents got me in their home, you know, and I, I, we were just talking about this as a family not too long ago about the fact that when I look at my grandchildren and when they're like around six months old, I think, can you imagine if someone took that baby from the home environment that they were in and just said, you're starting today, you're going to live somewhere else, right? You're, you're in a different family, right? right? Like when you think about that, it makes no sense, right? It makes no sense. When you think about your own children, Kelly, yes. if someone came and took your baby and put them in a different household, what would that do to the psyche of a baby? Totally. That's what happened to me. So my life started with none of the bonding, right? When you think now you get a baby, they put it right on your chest. And it's so important to have that, that time with your babies for that bonding. And all the research has shown how critical that is for the development of that baby and the baby's brain right. chemistry. I had none of that. I had none of that bonding. I mean, I was in a hospital for, for three weeks. Right. I was in foster care where obviously wasn't getting good care. Yeah. Um, so for a, the first six months of my life, I never felt any love towards me in the way that a mother does for their, their baby. Right. And that meant like, I was terrified of my father for a while. He had to ease his way in to the room, moving the chair closer and closer because I didn't know these people. I know. I can't even imagine this. Right. Well, this is, this is adoption. This is adoption. Uh, And yes, I was so blessed to be adopted. But what I like people to understand is adoption is traumatic. Right. I don't care how you frame it. It's trauma. It is separating a baby from its mother, which that's nine months of a bond, right? And it's placing them in a completely new environment and it's trauma. It's beautiful in the life I had, right? But it's trauma. Totally. But that's not, that's not the point of, of this, this story. The point is, is that I did not have the ability to um, create a bond with another human being. Um, my, and how I, one of the reasons I realized this was a really big issue for me um, was there were two things that occurred in my life. And one, just my husband who would, I can remember sitting across from him at a, at a table and uh, going, we, you know, we'd gone out to dinner somewhere and him looking at me and saying, I love you so much. And I can remember thinking in my head, yeah, yeah, probably not though. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what that means. I don't know what that feels like. Could never grasp it. Right. Then when I had my babies, um, I was very, very attached to my babies, uh, probably for obvious reasons. But then when they started hitting that four five-year-old age where they start showing their love to you and saying how much they love you. I started pushing them back. I started, I could, I, I was doing it and I knew I was doing it. I was like, Oh my gosh, Leanne, stop this. But like wanting to climb up in my lap and, and hug me and snuggle me. And I'd be like, Oh no, 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 get, get down. Right. And what I realized I was doing was 
pushing them away before they could push me away. Right. Because when you, your whole life existence has been the, the thought that you were someone's trash, yes. that you were someone who just got, you know, thrown away because they didn't want you to live. Yeah. You start making these irrational thoughts in your head, like, well, it must be true. And I don't want these people to figure that out, that I'm not worthy. And it was um, debilitating. And it's, it still is a big part of my psyche. But once I figured it out, I am a, I'm a big proponent of um, emotional intelligence. Yes. Just did a whole, I just taught a whole workshop on it. And it's the, one of the keys to that is self-awareness. Yeah. And that was the, the key for me when I became self-aware that I was doing this, that I was feeling this, and it wasn't rational, it wasn't normal, and it's okay. It's okay. We all have things that happen to us in our lives that create a psyche of how we view the world, the lens we look through. Yes. And it's okay. It's not that I that I'm a bad person, that there's something wrong with me. It's claiming it and saying, Yes, this is why I do this. And you know what? They do love me. Yes. I can't let my trauma impact other people's feelings for me. And that's what I was doing. It's so interesting for you to even say this because I've had friends, I, you know, I've known a couple of people that were adopted and even in my mind, and I'm being super honest in saying that I always felt like, I don't understand you. They, they have a narrative that they were left and I was always in my mind, you know, Miss Positive Pants out there. Everyone knows me. I was thinking, no, you were found. You were found by two people that that's all they wanted in their lives was to have someone to love and take care, take care of. But in, I never said this out loud, but in my mind, I was always thinking, no, you were found. Like, why, why are you in the space where you were left? But like hearing you tell your story in that way and even explaining it is even good for myself to understand though you know those friends more that how they how it how it does impact you so much um and even just I had never even thought about the fact that um when someone's adopted and obviously like adoption can be you said beautiful you had amazing parents you had a beautiful life but the trauma of being removed and placed with just two strangers, like complete strangers, because even, even if foster care is so like, we know all foster parents aren't horrible, but I've heard plenty of stories. Right. Um, But even if it's removed from an environment, that's not ideal and not forever being placed into a home that is forever and is stable can be, would be such a huge at any age at three at five at 10 um but even six months I can't even imagine like you know that that's the phase where you know they you someone wants to hold them and they reach back for their mom you know what I mean like they only want the safe place oh right yeah it it, it's when you don't understand it and why would you understand it if you haven't lived it? So I, I always give people grace with the comments that people will say to me, I always give them grace because how could you possibly understand what it feels like when you have not had that experience? Right. right? And so, uh, um, so I like to, that's why one of the reasons why I like to share my story is because I want people to understand 
a little bit closer to what adoptees feel. And, you know, it's not all adoptees, but it's most, Yes, you know, because it's a sense of loss. You've you've lost one life and you're given another. And, uh, you know, for, for me, um, you know, adoptees are the only citizens in the U S that do not have access to their original birth certificate. You know, like I don't have, I don't know my original birth certificate. I don't have it. I could petition the court and I could go through a whole process and get it. And the courts are getting better now with that. Yeah. But people don't understand that. Like it is always a missing piece. Now I did find my birth mother. Um, and found a part of the piece, but I did not find, and I have not really searched for my birth father. So I also hear the story of that, where you have two beautiful, amazing parents. How did that conversation, did they, were they understanding of wanting to find that piece or was that another trauma, like another obstacle, another hurdle? So my, my mother was amazing. She, she's been gone five years and she was just an an, an amazing human being, just very self-confident, a realist. I mean, I told you she was a nurse. She never, and my parents always were open with me. They always shared. I always knew that I was adopted. I have an older brother who's also adopted um, a different situation. And we always knew. We always knew it was always celebrated. Like, you know, my father used to always say, I made a wish and you came true. Like he just, it was wonderful. Yeah. Um, After I had my first child, I realized this giving birth was a huge monumental moment in, in your life. And like, she had to have felt something. I didn't know the history of my adoption at that point. Yeah. I didn't know that you know, what she'd gone through and had me at home. I didn't know any of that story yet. Um, so I, I just wanted to go and find her. So I petitioned the state. I got my, my, the the state of Massachusetts would provide any non-identifying information. And my mother, I wasn't living in Massachusetts. I was living in New York and my mother, my parents were still in Massachusetts. My mother's like, I'll take care of it for you. My mother like made phone calls. My mother, set things up for us. So we came back uh, and went to one of the, the off the social services offices and, and met with a social worker and she had my file and she told me all the not, not identifying information with that information. Like I knew, I knew that my, my birth name was a Portuguese name. I knew that my birth mother, actually, when she dropped me off, they said, well, what's her name? And she said, well, I, I, I don't know. She's like, I used to babysit for a girl named Leanne. Just call her that. So there were things like that that I was able to uh, ascertain. I knew where she went to high school. I knew that she was the editor of the school newspaper, things like that. So I went back to New York. My mother took all that information. She went to the high school, went to their library, pulled out the yearbooks and found my birth mother's name. Amazing. My mother was amazing. She was just such goosebumps that like she would now I'm going to cry, which I do this occasionally. But like how amazing of a woman 
Oh, she was completely confident in, in our relationship. Yeah. Like we, you know, she knew how much, how deeply I loved her and it was vice versa. Now my father on the other side of the coin didn't know any of this was going on yeah. because my father, I'm his baby girl. I was always his baby girl. Yeah. And it wasn't that so much that he was worried that he had done something wrong. It was that he was worried I was going to get hurt. Yeah. And he was petrified that I'd find out things that would really be devastating. So he didn't want me to ever find out anything. Yeah. Um, so we kept him in the dark. And, and and he passed away in June and he still doesn't know a lot of what I found out. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. I... I didn't want, I didn't want him to worry about me. Yeah. And that's what he does. Yeah. And, and so, um, yeah, my mom was, uh, was just amazing. She just, she was my champion. She's my hero. You know, both my parents were the voice in my head in, you know, whispering in my ear all the time saying, you can do anything you want. You can do anything you want. It's amazing. I love that. That's where your life landed. So when you have the information, did you reach out to did you like, did. and and is and that too is another whole because was it because I've also heard the stories they reach out and then they don't want anything to do with the person and they don't want to have a connection and then that's hurt that's again feeling loss and hurt and so you know you see a lot of the happy stories on tv you see oprah doing was you know i'd seen many situations with oprah with this reunite reunited and all this jazz and uh that was not the case for me when i did all the research and i found her and um i called her and i said you know hello my name's leanne and I was born on August 9th. She gasped and said, oh, they said this could never happen. Yeah. And that was the moment of our relationship because she was really angry. She's very upset and didn't want anything to do with me. And I said to her, okay, look, I don't want to interrupt your life. I don't want to cause you any pain. I just thought you might want to know that I that I turned out okay in my situation. And, and she was basically, nope, nope, I don't want to know any of it. I said, well, if anything changes, here's my information, which she probably just burned it, whatever. I should probably even write it down, whatever. And um, then I let it go. And, and then 10 years later, though, I had a little boy who was suffering from chronic migraine. And we had been to all kinds of um, doctors and specialists. And I'm telling you, like, he was really sick in, in the hospital. Sick. Yeah. And our neurologist was like, you know, your next step is we should take him to Boston and he should get a spinal tap and we should really look and see what's going on unless you can find out more information. So I um, reached out again. And after several attempts, she, there was no, um, I got, there was no reply. No one ever picked up the phone at, at her number. And I thought, well, she, maybe she's not even living. I don't know. Yeah. But I knew, I knew I had siblings. Okay. So I knew there were younger siblings. She, she'd gone on and gotten married and had two more children after me. And so I, I reached out one night to my younger brother and I, I called him, um, and I said, look, you know, I'm about to rock your world. Uh, and I'm so sorry about this, um, but I need some help. And my name's Leanne. And 
um, Kathy is my mother and I, I'm trying to reach her and I have a child who's, who's been ill and I need some help. I need some medical information. And he was so amazing. He was so calm and poised. And he said, um, you know what? I don't know you, um, but I will see if I can help you. I will, I'm not going to give you my mother's information. I will go and speak to her and see if, if she can help you in some way. Yeah. Well, that's all I can ask. Yeah. And uh, I hung up the phone. I um, promptly sent him a card with a picture of, of me and the, my family, thanking him for taking my call. And I don't know how I got his address, but I must have had it. I don't know. But anyway, I didn't hear from him for a, quite a few days. And then he got my card and he sent me an email and he said, uh, the day, the night you called, I went over and I spoke to my mother. I said that there's a woman named Leanne who's trying to reach you. She says you're her mother. And she said, I don't know her. I don't know anything about her that she's mistaken. And he said, okay, I just, she's just got an issue and uh, that, that's fine. That, you know, and he left it at that apparently. And then he got my card and he, he said, I saw your picture. And he said, I knew my mother was lying. He's like, cause you look just like her. And he said, um, but if she has her issues, whatever they are, they're hers, but they're not mine. How can I help you? Yeah. That's so, I mean, that has to be a special. Such a mature, yeah. Yeah, a mature, a mature way to, to look at it. And, and also someone who is, is confident in who he is as well. Right. And I met, I met him two weeks later. I mean, we were like, oh my God, we look so much alike yeah. that we actually went and had DNA testing to see if maybe there was something that we were really actually full siblings. Yeah. You know? And because she had, she married a man, she was 26 when she had me, she married a man who was 52. Okay. So there were, she had, she had trauma in her life somewhere, right? Yeah. Like there was, Right. So we thought, well, maybe he was the married man, you know, I don't know. And, but we weren't, we were, we're half siblings. So, so anyway, yeah, it's, it's kind of, it was not a, it was never a, never a good relationship. And, and then, so I didn't say this in the beginning, but one of the reasons why she was behaved the way she was, she did when she had me is she already had a baby before me. Okay. She had a 15 month old when she had me. Oh my gosh. By a married man. So I think when she found out that it happened to her a second time, it probably just blew her mind. And she went a little psychotic on the whole thing. And you know, wished I would die and was trying to miscarry and all that jazz. But, but anyway, um, so there's, I have an older half sibling. I have two younger siblings as well. And so um, I don't, you know, really they're, they're, I wasn't raised with them. Right. So they're not like a sibling relationship you, you have with, with right. siblings. Right. Right. <sighs> but I appreciate their part of the journey that I've had with my life. But the, the, the point of this really comes back to um, the ultimate rejection and multiple rejections. And the antidote for that for me was my success in direct sales. 
it was the what I learned in building my business that gave me the confidence to know I am beyond what, whatever anyone else thought of me when my journey started in life. I control the path I, I take. It's on me to do that. Um, you, you aren't, you always have the ability to get off the train you're on yeah. and jump onto a different one. You always have that ability. And for me, that's kind of been innate in, in who I am. And, um, I, if I'm working somewhere where I, my values don't align, you know what? I'm not a tree. I don't have to stay <laughs> yeah. here. I can go somewhere else. I know what my purpose in life is. And my purpose in life is to help people realize that how you enter the world is not the legacy you leave for it. It's, it's, you change that you have the ability to change the legacy that you leave this world. And my story, I hope helps people realize that they are in control of the bus they're on. They're in control. Such and an important. Like, I, I just love your saying this. I love it. I mean, it is true. I think that people get stuck and they, they, they know their narrative, they know their story and they think that's, that's it. That's their story. And I love it. You're not a tree. Like you have the ability to shift and move and change where you're going, what the direction is. And, and I, I try to be the example of, because, you know, we do this all the time. We put other people's um, impressions of us. Uh, we, we start to believe that. And if I had believed what my birth mother thought about me, I, there's no way I would be where I'm at today, right? Like what, some, what that woman thought of me does not determine who I am. And she was my birth mother. Right. Like that you can't let other people's trauma, other people's issues, other people's thoughts and beliefs um, impact what you believe about yourself. I mean, I was very fortunate that I had, um, you know, the, the voice in my ear with my parents um, who championed me, but I also believe, you know, I, I have a lot of faith. I believe that uh, God's directed my path every step of the way to where I am to be able to share my story, um, to be able to get up on a stage and speak to thousands of people. um, That's, that's power that comes from um, lots of sources, I guess I, 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 I believe. And I want to be that champion for other people. I want if, to be that voice, if you don't have that person in your life, I want to be that voice. Let me in because I'll tell you, if I can overcome everything that I've overcome and be confident and love my life and have a very strong purpose in my life, then you can too, because not many of us got abandoned at birth, right? right. So you don't have to struggle through all of that. I'm telling you, you can get over anything. You truly can. I loved finding out what you're doing now. I mean, obviously I have a passion for drag selling and I have watched it shift so many women, mostly women, but there's some men out there too, but their stories um, and just watch their lives shift and change. And with every company that I've been in, regardless of what their life looks like, you know, a, a 
and and there's not just tragic stories. There's the story of abusive relationship. I, at one point at one company, um, a, a pregnant girl, she was going to nursing school, but living in her car. And I helped her start her business. I obviously poured into her in a lot of ways, but her sending me a little video of her apartment with the baby carrier and finishing school. And now she works at a hospital and has her direct selling business on the side. Like it is such, um, it gives so much personal development too, but the fact that you have used this journey and this story to lead you to what you're doing now and starting your very own business um, and even having those goals and focus for yourself because launching a business is not hard, but you obviously um, have such experience in this industry and I'm sure in a, in a lot of ways, keynote speaking, I know you're doing some keynotes and um, you're coaching people, but that goes outside of even direct selling in itself, I would think. It, it does. Um, I mean, I've been in direct sales for 30 years. So, I mean, I was 23 or so when I um, first dabbled in direct sales and then I just kind of grew from there. And I, love this industry because you start, everyone starts with a clean slate. And I guess that kind of fits my, my whole story to some degree, you start with a, a clean slate and you can make out of it what you want. Um, and I didn't know anything about direct sales when I got started, but I had a woman who answered all my questions and, you know, helped me all the way. And, and I, and I love the product which was really key. So I, yeah. you know, I could tell my friends about it and without hesitation. And so I really love this industry and it doesn't matter the product. If you love it, that's what matters. And then it's like learning the skills of how to share it and how to share it with confidence. And one of my keynotes, the one of the ones that gets the biggest re response is all about confidence yeah. and how to how to get it. I, my hashtag is no fluff rough that people have that. coined. And it, because I'm real, I like I said when I first got started, I wanted someone to just tell me what to do. Tell me, help me here. Tell me what I need to do to be successful. No one starts a business, whether it's direct sales or anything else, with the idea of like, well, it's all right. I can I can. I can quit if I want to, if I fail. No, everyone starts with like, I'm going to do this. I'm excited. You press join and you're like, cool, I just did this. And then what happens is all the negative Nellies, the, oh gosh, can I really do this? Oh my gosh, I have to talk to this person. You know, all those things start to come into your world and you start to talk yourself out of how awesome you are. Yes. How excited you are about this product. And they, there needs to be a voice that says, no, you're still awesome. No, your product's still awesome. Your, your product did not change from last week. It is the same. Yeah. You still love it. Right? Yeah. Your friends will still love it. Maybe not that friend, but maybe the next friend. Yeah. And maybe not that friend, but the next friend, right? If you are aligned to your North Star, your purpose with a product that you love and a passion around helping people solve problems that they have, there will be nothing stopping you. But you need to have that. Um, personal development to help you because most people do not have confidence. I've worked with top executives who have no confidence yeah. and their behavior that you see come out of them. Like, you're like, okay, this is, you, 
this is because you are not feeling good about yourself, right? Yes. It's not just a brand new person starting who has no experience. It's it, there's people in the C-suite that go through the same thing. Absolutely. So, you know, what I do right now with my, my consulting gig is I, I work with the very top leaders of companies generally, because just because you're at the top, doesn't mean you're going to stay at the top yeah. if you don't have the EQ to maintain relationships and positivity and stay aligned to your purpose. So I work with a lot of very, very top leaders doing that. I also work with um, the C-suite of companies and consult with them on strategy. I've been doing this a long time, right? And and <clears throat> so I like to be the voice of that person. Yeah. What I like to say is, you know, you need to make decisions thinking about the stay-at-home mom in the middle of Kentucky who is doing this to pay her electric bill. Think about her. She doesn't get a paycheck every two weeks that's exactly the same that she can count on. So what you do impacts her ability to be able to pay her light bill, right? That is so important to me. That is critical to me. I was that person. I want everything for her to be successful. And so I, I tend to be that voice. It's this whole, hold up. You know what? That marketing campaign does really matter. It does matter that it goes out on time and that you can back it with uh, technology to make sure it works smoothly for her. Right. right? Cause she's juggling multiple things or he, right. Totally. um, So I, I'm very passionate about that. Um, but primarily, you know, I, I, you know, I just love speaking to, to people and that is not only in our industry, but outside our industry as well. Um, I, a number of years ago, I think I've always known, and I've shared this when, from my experience in the field, there's two things that are critical to success. And number one is you have to have systems, systems that work and keep your, your business operational. And second, you have to understand relationships. You have to understand yourself first, and then you have to understand other people. And so um, years ago, I was working, when I first started into my foray in, in corporate America, I was working for Beachbody. And Beachbody was just way ahead of the game in understanding this. And so they allowed me to go and get certified in a system called the color code, which is driving core motive. It's not, there's another color code behavioral thing out there, but this one is Dr. Taylor Hartman and it's his research based on um, driving core motive. So I went and got certified to teach that and that crosses all borders like that teaches you how to understand what motivates you and what motivates the people in your love in your lives when you know what motivates people you know how to be 100 percent responsible for that relationship with them i i love this so much i think i have i done the color i think i did yes i think you did i think you did back in uh beauty counter days yes i know i want to say i'm yellow would i be yellow I would say you're red, yellow, red, yellow. I always appreciated about you is your ability to get it done. Yes. I, I, I like that. You're saying this. I am. Yeah. And, and that's a red, a red is like power, power through, get from A to B, A to B, A to B. Yes. Right. And, and that's you. Yellow is the, um, the entertainer in you, the dancer in yeah. you. Let's be spontaneous. Let's have fun yeah. doing it. 
So that's, I mean, I, I can't recall specifically, obviously what your, your profile was, but that's what I would think. I love this. I remember doing this. We need to do this again. I, this will be another call with you about something not with greener grass, but okay. I love that. I mean, this is why we do this. It's the story of where you start, where you end up all the things that happen along the way that get you to that place that you're in now. But I think you're even, even taking a step further from what we normally talk about that you have the ability to change anything for the future, to change the bus you're on, to change the direction, to change the narrative. Um, And I think we always kind of talk about life's pivots and um, what's happening today. And I think you kind of branched it into, you have the ability to change the future too. Um, and whatever that looks like. Right. Right. I mean, when I look at my life, I look at an abandoned baby with no future. And now I'm, I'm changing the lives of thousands of people when I get up there and speak. And when I mentor and when I coach, and that happened through multiple pivots in my life with the belief that you can do it. You can do it. So no matter where, you know, if you're a listener out there who, you know, there's been so many layoffs right now, there's people are going through so much change and, and trying to figure out um, their next steps is just stepping into your own confidence and saying, you know what, I've survived everything so far in my life. Yeah. I'm going to survive this, but here's the thing. I'm not just going to survive. I'm going to control the narrative. I'm going to do things with purpose now. I'm not going to worry what other people think. I'm not going to worry about what the economics of the situation happens to be. Um, I'm going to control the narrative because I'm passionate about pursuing something that means something to me. And when you do that, when you step into your confidence like that, it's it's an energy shift and you start to attract good things into your life. And that I, that's kind of fluffy for me yeah. to say that. Um because it takes action. You can't just say, all right, I'm going to sit here and have good intentions. You have to like say, okay, but what does that look like? If I want to get to, to point B from, from where I am at A, what's the work I have to do? Nothing I've ever done in my life has not come without an incredible amount of work. Right. Um, you know, and so it's, it's not easy, but it's worth it. Oh my gosh, it's worth it to, to live in your own light and, and embrace who you are, all the, all the bits and pieces and the jagged edges and all of that. Like you're good. You're good. If I can, if I can do it from where I've come from, Hey, you are good where you're at. I promise you. Absolutely. All right, Leanne, I am so thankful for you. This was such a, this was a kick in the pants for me. This is one that I will re we re-listen to, um, you know, when I have that day where I need a little bit of um, passion, excitement about everything that I'm doing, the direction I'm going in life. And I am so excited. I will share your information um, with everyone, you know, under this drop. And, you know, if you are someone that listens, but you don't follow us on Instagram, make sure you follow because, you um, you know, we'll share all of Leanne's information in case you want to connect with her. I know you're just a huge connector in general and just to learn a little bit more about what you're doing these days with consulting and your business. And you and I will talk again for sure, but I want to thank you so much for being on today. Um, and thanks to all of our listeners. Well, thank you so much for having me, Kelly. Appreciate it.
Leanne, thank you so much for carving out the time, sharing your story with us. So inspirational. I love listening to it. Um, and I hope you guys did too. All right. Thank you so much to Asa Watkins, sound engineer. And if you guys would honor us with the five-star rating and a review, it means so much to smash the five stars, uh, leave us a sentence. It means the world to us. And uh, if you love hearing the sound of my voice, the Expecting Aerialist, also on Digit Podcasts, is out. Uh, talk all about motherhood, prenatal, postpartum time, um, you know, the ups and downs of being a mom. So, yeah, would love to have you on both. All right, my friends, have an amazing week. Over and out, this is Greener Grass with Digit Podcasts.